Hello, this is Congressman Jim Clyburn, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Clyburn Chronicles. I've always been a lover of history. I see this platform as a way to connect history with the politics of today. This is so important because as Judge Santiano once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Each episode, my guest and I will have a conversation about the lessons of the past, the politics of the present, and how we must learn from those experiences to help shape the future. Thank you for taking time to listen, and welcome to Clyburn Chronicles. Thank you very, very much. This is Congressman Jim Clyburn. Welcome to another edition of Clyburn Chronicles. Today, I am particularly pleased uh, to welcome uh, to these Chronicles uh, a longtime friend, Javier uh, Becerra. Uh, Javier Becerra is now the 25th Secretary of Health and Human Services but I knew him before he became somebody. <laughs> uh, he and I uh, were honored to serve together. I guess he was, I know I was, uh, here in this Congress, I think for 12 years. Uh, how 12 long terms. were you here? 12, 12 terms, 12, 12 terms. terms. We yeah, came in together terms, in 93, yeah. remember, 93. That's right, we are classmates. Uh, and uh, he was one of my, go-to guys, you know, we were around at the time things were happening. Um, and uh, I thought I was fortunate to be co-chair of our freshman class until I assumed the office in the second term, uh, session of our first term. And of course, I found out that I wasn't so honored, <laughs> but uh, getting along with that class uh, taught me a lot about how to function here in the Congress. Before he came to Congress, however, uh, uh, the secretary uh, was a very uh, productive uh, member of the political scene out in uh, California. Uh, he came here and brought his leadership skills with him, uh, serving in leadership as chair of the House Democratic Caucus, and then uh, serving on the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, the committee that um, uh, has a responsibility uh, of raising the money that we need uh, in order to run the government. And it was in that capacity that I got to know Javier real, uh, real well, because the two of us were tapped at one point to be uh, members of the so-called super committee. Uh, it's our job uh, to come up with a budget at a time uh, when that was very, very difficult to do. And we proved how difficult it was to do <laughs> because uh, we never ever could settle, get 12 people to settle on a budget. But we got through it. And, uh, and the government did not shut down uh, under our watch. But what I did, how I really became endeared uh, to Javier 
was because of those social security amendments in 1965 as a part of the Great Society program that created Medicare and Medicaid. We're getting ready for the 56th anniversary of that on July 30th. And I'm pleased that he's here with me to talk about the importance of expanding Medicaid. There's still 12 states that have not expanded. My home state of South Carolina being one of them. Uh, we are working now trying to figure out what we can do to keep the people from living in these, the people who are living in these, these 12 states, keep them uh, moving forward, uh, going to a better place. And so I want to thank uh, Javier for being here today. And I want to just say to him how much I appreciate our friendship. I know uh, he's going to be a very successful secretary because he's a very successful member uh, of this uh, Congress. And so uh, I just want him to talk a little bit uh, to introduce the subject uh, here about uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and this 50th anniversary, uh, 56th anniversary that we're about to celebrate. So Congressman Cleburne, uh, first, I, I want to say thank you for inviting me, uh, but more importantly, thank you for your service. It has been nothing short of uh, a, a dear pleasure and a real privilege to, to get to serve with you, to learn from you, and to watch you as you continue to make history. Uh, you know, having a chance to serve with people like John Lewis, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Jim Clyburn, you, you get to see history being made. And so... Uh, the title living legend really does apply in the case of Jim Clyburn. So I, I, I'm thrilled that I get to call this living legend a, a friend uh, and a mentor. Uh, and on things like Medicaid, uh, we're fortunate to have people like Congressman Clyburn who, who believe in making opportunity available, especially to those who've worked very hard, but never quite had a chance to get quite there. And fortunately, with LBJ back in the 1960s, uh, and his great society, as you mentioned, Congressman, uh, he had the wisdom to propose the Medicare and Medicaid program. And Medicare, which concentrates on seniors, is now a law. There, there isn't a senior in America who, do, who doesn't say, you know, don't you dare touch my Medicare. I paid for it. I need it. And Medicaid, we're finding, is exactly the same. Seniors depend on Medicaid as much as they depend on Medicare. Many of them do. Those who are lower income. Uh, kids, so many of our kids, about a third of all kids in America receive their health care as a result of Medicaid and CHIP, the Children's Health Insurance Program. And so uh, what would we do without Medicaid? Well, today we would have poverty rates far exceeding what we, we've seen. We would have far more people who would have died of COVID, uh, but for Medicaid. Let's put it this way. In the 1960s, before Medicaid and Medicare were enacted, if you were a senior, uh, you were getting ready to retire, chances are you were getting ready to retire. There's a very strong chance you were getting ready to retire into poverty. After all those decades of work, you still were going to retire into poverty because we didn't have Social Security system in place at the time, Medicare or Medicaid. Today we do. So it should be uh, surprising to no one that today less than 9% of all seniors, when they reach that age and are ready to retire, are still in poverty. And we've done a great deal to try to help them. And Medicaid has been one of the ways 
But unfortunately, we still have a number of Americans, millions of Americans, 200,000 in the state of South Carolina who aren't getting access to care and could if the state simply adopted what uh, Congressman Clyburn mentioned, which is expanded Medicaid. Well, thank you so much for that. You know, as one of the architects of the Affordable Care Act, uh, we, uh, we had a lot of fun uh, putting that together. It was a great sense of accomplishment. Uh, and of course, we were all rejoicing when the Supreme Court uh, issued this ruling uh, telling us uh, that it was uh, constitutional. The Supreme Court has visited the question twice since, and each time we picked up a vote on its constitutionality. Yeah. So we've gone all the way from a 5-4 decision down to a 7-2 decision. So I think the Affordable Care Act is with us uh, to stay. But there's a little problem with the Affordable Care Act as we were uh, when the Supreme Court said it was constitutional. It also removed the mandate uh, that uh, has contributed to uh, what we now call uh, this gap in coverage gap. Uh, um, do you have any thoughts on uh, what we might do uh, to further legislation uh, that will allow us uh, to make up for that gap? Uh, because as I said earlier, my state is one of the 12 states that's not uh, expanded Medicaid. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to do something about that. Yeah. Uh, you got any feelings about that? Yeah, I absolutely do. And uh, we have to remember that, uh, and you and I probably relive this pretty much every time we think about the Affordable Care Act. In those days, back in 2010, when we passed it, remember they kept, uh, those who were opponents kept saying, oh, this is, this is going to institute death panels where people will be told they have to die. They won't be allowed to live because we're instituting the Affordable Care Act. And any number of myths that way that were spooking people who were definitely wanting to see us do something on healthcare. Well, we did it. And lo and behold, today, 31 million people receive good health care because they have insurance through the market exchanges under the uh, Affordable Care Act's uh, marketplace plans. And today, 81, as I think I may have mentioned, 81 million Americans receive their health care because of Medicaid and the uh, Children's Health Initiative Program. So well over 110 million Americans today count on the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid, or the Children's Health Program to get their health insurance. And so we can make it better. And Congressman, you all did something in the American Rescue Plan that already made it better. And that was you helped extend coverage to Americans who have uh, uh, access through the Affordable Care Act to insurance that they can continue to afford because of the tax credits that you provided to them so that they could continue to afford it. We make that permanent. We keep millions of Americans on good insurance. But on the Medicaid program, the federal government is give, giving a deal that it's hard to me, for me to understand why any state would not uh, accept it. Federal government is willing to pick up 90 cents out of every dollar in cost for a state resident to be on expanded Medicaid. But as we mentioned, there are about 200,000 South Carolinians who still haven't had a chance to get that access 
because the, the state hasn't adopted that. And total in America, in the 12 states that have not yet ex, uh, adopted expanded Medicaid, about 4 million adult Americans who lack health care because the states haven't acted. Well, thank you for pointing that out. I just had uh, uh, five uh, town halls throughout uh, my district, and I concentrated along the so-called I-95 corridor uh, that's been uh, referred to as a corridor of shame, trying to make people aware uh, of what we're doing uh, with the, for, uh, for the, uh, the American Rescue Plan uh, and how that will be a benefit that you know uh, also along that corridor uh, and throughout the country now, uh, looks like we're about to, or maybe already experiencing a fourth surge uh, in COVID-19. Uh, and um, I know that at the Department of Health and Human Services, that is high uh, on your agenda. I know vaccinations uh, or the answer uh, to much of this, but I would like for you to take uh, a time to uh, say whatever you feel about uh, what uh, COVID-19 and our response to it would really mean uh, to the people uh, that uh, are on Medicaid or need Medicaid. Well, Congressman, you and I know, because we've seen it firsthand, that Americans who don't have health care run the greatest risk when it comes to not only becoming ill, but so ill that they have to be hospitalized. And in some cases, we lose them. And uh, no one should have to go through that. No one should lack access to healthcare coverage. As President Biden has said, and as I know you agree and I agree, healthcare should be a right, not a privilege for only the privileged few. And so here we go with uh, a, a, a pandemic that today we know we could fight against if people get vaccinated. And so the president has made a uh, a phenomenal effort in trying to get all Americans vaccinated. And thanks to what you and your colleagues have done, you've made it possible for the vaccine to be out there for all Americans without charge. Uh, and I want to repeat that because it is very, it is not very often where uh, our communities have access to quality medicines, innovative medicines at zero cost. Yet uh, we know that there's still a, a, a chunk of America that hasn't been vaccinated. And now with this variant of COVID, the so-called Delta variant, which is far more transmissible than the original version of COVID, we're seeing infection rates rise again, hospitalizations rise again, deaths rise again. And so it's, it's time to act even more aggressively. And today, in fact, the president is announcing that for federal workers, we're gonna start asking that or expecting that they vaccinate or mask up distance if they haven't vaccinated so that we can start to be more safe indoors. And so we're going to do everything we can. And we've gotten over 300 million shots in arms already, but we got to continue because fully half of America is about half of America is today vaccinated, but too many young folks still aren't. And we still have a lot of Americans who even though vaccinated, have vulnerabilities. They are immunocompromised or they are frail and elderly. And so if someone is young and healthy, but is carrying the 
the uh, COVID disease, they could infect someone who, even though vaccinated, may not ultimately resist uh, that that uh, infection if it, it if it transmitted. So we just have to do everything we can because, quite honestly, if you want to have a healthy economy, you have to have a healthy America. That's quite true, and thank you so much. I really believe that uh, right now that is number one uh, with this administration. That ought to be number one with everybody in the country. Uh, I'm very pleased to see uh, that some who have uh, uh, in the past seemed to have politicized this issue has now decided that they are going to uh, do what is necessary for the American people uh, and encourage people uh, to get vaccinated. And so thank you so much for that. I would hope that those who are listening today, uh, if you have not been vaccinated, please, uh, get vaccinated. If you go friends or neighbors who have not let them know that not only is it free, but it's safe. Uh, and we have got to get a handle uh, on uh, this disease. This country is not going to uh, come back uh, from this pandemic uh, by just wishing it. We all got to play a, a role in this. We, we are responsible. Uh, in our own way for making sure that the word gets out and encourage people uh, to do better. And I want to thank you uh, for all uh, that you're doing, all that I know you're going to do. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I know you. Uh, people uh, asking me about you when you were nominated. I tell them, I said, you may not know the, uh, the hobby of a server that I know, uh, but when you sit around the table with a guy, uh, uh, fighting to uh, uh, keep the government open. Uh, I can tell all of the listeners here today, uh, if you're in that kind of a foxhole, uh, you want Javier Becerra uh, right there with you. And so I want to thank you uh, for what I know you're going to do. Let you know uh, that I look forward to working with you going, uh, going forward. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get this pandemic under control, get COVID-19 behind us uh, and uh, uh, continue building back better. Uh, that's what this is all about. If you have any closing comments you'd like to say, uh, I'd like to hear them. Congressman, I, I, I will just build on what you just finished saying because you all did the work of passing the President's American Rescue Plan. Now you're on the verge of giving America the largest investment in infrastructure we've ever seen with this bipartisan deal that is making its way through Congress, which I think is phenomenal. Then you've got the work of helping get the president's American jobs plan and American families plan, which completes the work to try to get us through the pandemic. Uh, and so I'm just thrilled that I get to be part of this working with you and your colleagues to, to get this done because uh, not only will we get back to where we were before the pandemic, but quite honestly, we, we should go beyond where we were before the pandemic because there were a lot of folks who were still left behind. And the, the work we got to do, especially on things like Medicaid, is to make sure nobody's left behind. Everybody should have an opportunity to be part of that American experiment. So thank you for what you've done. Thank you for letting me be a friend. And I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you very much for joining us for this edition of Clyburn Chronicles. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clyburn Chronicles. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a comment. And don't forget to subscribe to my show wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Congressman Jim Clyburn. Thank you.